Hello, Helena, Harmin. I'm so excited about this topic. We've been talking about it for a while and let's just go into stress, anxiety, midlife, all of that. But first, let's talk a little bit about what you do for stress, anxiety, and really what you do in general. Go ahead. Thank you, Tavari. So honored to be here. And I like to speak from my own experience uh, myself. My birthday was last week and I'm 54, uh, thank God, and not afraid to say, um, so I'm going to be speaking from, from my heart and from my own experience. And, um, when I hit my 18th year, um, when my husband and I were on Shlichus in Raleigh, North Carolina, and at the 18th year mark, I felt a lot of stress and anxiety and needed desperate help and just feeling really depleted. And I got myself a coach. And um, this person was steeped in Hasidus, so I couldn't hide behind anything. I couldn't say, well, they don't understand my life because they're not Jewish or, or Orthodox or Chabad. All those things were there, so I couldn't hide anymore. And I got a lot of help. And then I realized I could get trained and um, help other women and couples. So I, I went to, in 2007, I went to coaching school before people knew what a coach was. And I did a four-year coach training. And then I realized I didn't have hands-on tools for stress and anxiety for my clients, and I used to have to refer them out after we got to a certain point, and I thought there has to be a better way. So I did another training and another certification in something called SRT, which is Tools for Stress, Anxiety, and Trauma. It means self-regulation training techniques to help our body with the fight-flight-freeze responses, the stress response. Um, and then I was able to bring that in a new way. So it wasn't only talk coaching, but it was also bringing the body in. And my husband and I have also got trained and certified in working with couples and relationship tools and skills called Imago Therapy. And so I'm passionate about that as well. And you and I have done some talks on that. So I'm very, very happy and honored to be here. Yeah. So. And So yeah, as far as uh, Helena mentioned the uh, the past talks, so those will be in the show notes also. We'll send a link to that. That's about marriage, but not so much mid, not only midlife, but this one. Let's let's talk about midlife, anxiety, stress, and what we can do about that. Yeah, so it's really great topic, and I was actually talking to someone today about it. I said when you were younger, like think about little kids. Sometimes they only eat hot dogs. <laughs> My husband only ate hot dogs when he was a child, okay? No joke. Um, they only eat macaroni and cheese, or they only eat fish sticks, or one of the three. And that might work for a while, and it's okay. And they seem to do fine and survive and grow and thrive. And as we get older and we age, there's an accumulation effect where if we're going to eat like that, we will actually feel not well in our body, not well in our minds. If we don't drink enough water, like, where's my water? So you. Go anywhere without my water, honestly, right. because sometimes people have stress and anxiety responses because they have eaten too much sugar or they didn't drink enough. So that's the first thing also we want to look at, the holistic approach, like am I sleeping enough? Am I eating enough? Am I drinking enough? I'm sure you can have people, you know, talking about that as well here. I'm today going to bring a part about our body responses to stress and anxiety and trauma. So I'm going to give you an example. My husband and I were walking one Friday night a couple of weeks ago, 
and walking around this neighborhood in a gated community, supposed to be pretty safe and all that. And this dog came charging, this little dog came charging at us. And I freaked. There was no control over my responses. I hid behind my husband and he laughed. Okay. He laughed and I was frozen, freaking out. I think I was just hiding behind him and my whole life was tunnel vision. Like, how am I going to survive this um, little tiny dog that was charging at us? And, um, you know, the owner finally caught up and, and took the, uh, the leash. And I, I looked around and I saw I was safe. The dog did not bite me. Um, <laughs> the problem with life is that we live many times as if a dog is chasing us when there is no dog chasing. So in that situation, my body did have a mechanism that was extremely important because if that dog was going to bite me, I was prepared. I was either going to run or hide behind my husband or freeze or whatever it would take for me to survive this danger. And as soon as I realized I was out of danger by looking around, by checking out the situation, so I was able to get back to normal, regular life. But many of all of us, actually, we live in our fight, flight, freeze, when there may not even be any danger, but it smells of danger. Something reminds us of something. And actually that story that happened to me, the reason why my husband laughed and I freaked out was because he never was bit by a dog. And I was. So I have a friend and she told me my dog doesn't bite. They all say that, right? And I walked in in front of her to her house. I was a guest, I had my suitcase. I walked in in front of her. The dog got scared that I was an intruder and it bit my leg. So I'm not, my body doesn't respond to a big dog. It responds to those little dogs. As soon as my brain and my body registers that there's something similar, it goes into that response. So we live like that every day with our children, with our husbands, with our friends. If somebody does something that smells similar, we may have a reaction of either yelling or freezing or clamping up like we don't want to talk, we don't want to speak. Um, and so we want to start giving our body experiences of safety. So Helena, you mentioned with the dogs, that's like a, a real thing, but many times it's also experiences that are like when the boss says, I want to talk to you. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the minute the boss says that tone, if it's a similar tone um, or the facial expressions, this is the thing. This part of our brain, our grown-up part of our brain right here, that's the rational part, right? But we have a part back here that's scanning always for responses or similarities. And so if we live our lives from back here, we're going to have a very hard life. It's going to be very stressful. And there are ways that we can work with ourselves so we can start being curious and noticing. Like you just said that example. Like I'm noticing that when my boss said that and the tone they used and the facial expressions must have reminded me something from my past because I'm not, I'm, I feel my heart pounding, my stomach's in knots, my hands are clenched, my thoughts are worried, right? That's what happens. But actually, even if it's not the tone, let's say it was just a text. So we, we read it in a tone and we read it with assumed facial and, and anything else. And we can go down a whole 
ladder of assumption of what that is all about because we had a previous experience. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And we want to help ourselves. So instead of judging ourselves, we want to be inviting ourselves. Okay, wait a minute. Let me start noticing. That's the first thing we want to do is notice. Um, I want to bring something in here. It would be nice because I think this is Jewish women that we're talking to. So I'd like to right. bring in some Hasidus into this. I want to share that um, something I learned from Rabbi Yosef Y.Y. Jacobson was this, this class on um, the part we had a few weeks ago, which is about how, um, this is my favorite quote of all time in Torah, when God told Abraham, whatever your wife tells you, whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her voice. So, of course, that's my favorite quote always. And according to the Zohar, um, Abraham represents the soul and Sarah represents the body. So if you reread that sentence from the Torah and you look at it from a deeper perspective, it's saying to the soul, whatever the body tells you, listen to its voice. So what we're learning now, and you can read this in many, many books. Everybody's quoting this book called The Body Keeps the Score. Okay. Right. Um, what that means is, and according to Hasidus and Kabbalah, it doesn't mean we go do whatever the body wants all the time. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is that we got to pay attention to our body response. When we have clenching of the stomach, clenching of the jaw, heart pounding, worried thoughts, we have to at least start paying attention. And when we start noticing and paying attention, we can actually bring this part of the brain back online so we're not only working from our immediate responses. So there are tools I can give you right now to help us, hands-on tools to help us that if we get a text we don't like, if somebody laughs and we're not sure if they're laughing at us or with us, okay? Um, our child says something and it's close to the day. Or for whatever it is, let me just give you a few tools right now. So one of the first things we can do is orient to the room. Before we do that, can we just go back to, so like when you feel a tightening in the heart, Yes. or anything. And so for some people, they don't yet even know what they're, what's happening in their body when they are stressed. So can we go back to how to notice that or how to tune into that? Yeah. Making a good point. I'm skipping a step. I think it's assuming because I've been doing it for so long. So when someone says I'm anxious, what does that even mean? And how do you know you're anxious? So the first question is to ask yourself, I feel stressed. Well, where? Where is that in your body? So you start asking yourself, I have, I'm anxious. Okay, where? So we want to start noticing, oh, I do have a clenched jaw. My, like this, right? I do notice my hands are clenched like this. I do notice my heart is pounding. But even before that, some people it's too hard for them. They don't even want to do that because it's scary and it's uncomfortable and we we don't want to be uncomfortable so we'll do anything to avoid being uncomfortable as human beings so one of the first things we do in somatic therapy and somatic healing or self-regulation is like i'm sitting in this chair right now okay so i want to at least give my body start giving my body experiences of safety and comfort in the here and now not what happened tomorrow yesterday sorry not what happened yesterday and not what happens tomorrow, but in this very moment, let me start bringing some awareness to my body. 
Okay, so the first thing, and one of my teachers said she asked the Kabbalists in Israel how to be in touch with her intuition and really knowing when she works with clients, if it's her own work or if it's the other person's stuff that's mixing in with hers. And the Kabbalists said to do this, and I actually think Dr. Peter Levine says to do this too, which is start looking around the room. So just orienting to the room, this is helpful because it separates you from your body. So just you first start very gently. Not everybody wants to notice their body, what happens inside, and they'll do anything to avoid it. The busy, busy, busy. So we don't have to think about this is uncomfortable. So the first thing we can do is, and this has to do with EMDR too, I believe. EMDR is a kind of therapy where your eyes are looking from here to here, and there's a reason. Because when we have trauma or stress, like when that dog was coming at me, I went tunnel vision and all the other, like the, even the um, different parts of my body shut down. Like when we're scared and we're a bear, is, if you think a bear is chasing us, the digestive system will shut down. And all we see is tunnel vision to just try to escape. So we get like that even when we're not in danger. So one of the tools that we use is we start orienting. So you can do it with me right now. Look what? around the room and look for 10 colors. Just 10 colors. It could be two shades of green if you need to. Just look around the room. Like even now, just doing it, I notice the breath coming in. So that's already showing me my nervous system is self-regulating. When breath will come more naturally and I'm not holding my breath. So that's a discharge. My body is discharging. It's a term we use a lot in somatic, which is a chance for my body to release something that I'm holding inside. And a discharge might be my eyes watering, a natural breath, a yawn, a deeper breath. Sometimes we get tingling. These are things people don't even know are happening. But Peter Levine studied this from the animals. He saw that animals in the wild don't walk around traumatized. And he wanted to figure out why they're always in danger and they're not walking around traumatized. They have their events. And they release it, and then they go on and munch on their grass. So what happened was he realized that after the animal is frozen, it gently starts to do a little trembling, and then it looks around, and then it starts to yawn. And there's videos of this. If anybody wants, you can, you know, there's videos you can find it on YouTube. The breath starts slowly going out, and a little bit more breath, and then the animal kind of jumps up. And they've even seen animals celebratory dance after escaping like a rabbit started jumping around like celebrating that it got away from danger so we have this mechanism inside that we don't even realize we are part of the animal kingdom and Hashem put in us the ability to release stress and anxiety through breath and through orienting to the room so we just looked for 10 colors you can look for 10 shapes just looking around 10 textures like I see a box that's made out of cardboard. I see fabric. I see metal. You just look around. So that's step one, orienting to the room and realizing, okay, I'm in an environment that's safe, number one. The second thing you do is now we're going to go into the body. If I can just notice myself in this chair, can I notice my feet on the ground? I'm going to find 10 places inside of me where I notice something is happening in my body, like can I feel my legs in this chair? Can I wiggle my toes and feel my feet? Can I notice the temperature of the room? Like, am I hot? Am I cold? Can I feel 
my watch on my wrist, just find 10 things you notice inside. That's how you start orienting and start getting awareness of body sensation. Okay. And we want to do, and if it's scary, you do something called 60 second fix, the, the uh, um, self-regulation where we can just take 60 seconds and see something called feet, feet, back and breath. I'll say it again. Feet, feet, back and breath. So let's just notice your feet on the ground. Okay. Wiggle your toes, push your heels in. You can notice, imagine being at the beach. And when your feet sink into the sand and the waves come in and our feet sink in a little more, I'd like to notice grounding. Do I have, you see, when we're stressed, we feel like the rug has been pulled out from under us. And this way we go, wait a minute, I am, I could feel my feet on the ground. I am grounded. I'm going to use physical objects to bring myself back to feeling comfortable and safe. So can I feel my feet on the ground? Can I feel my bottom in this chair? Can I feel my back in this chair in this moment? And can I notice my breath? Can I breathe in through my nose and fill my belly with air? That's called feet, feet, back and breath. And then notice, notice what's happening inside. Oh, everything's slowing down right now. I'm not as nervous as I was coming on to the call, right? Yeah. So just that simple, simple tool of feet, feet, back and breath, 60 seconds can really change everything. Well, I guess it's grounded, but it doesn't address the problem. Well, we're grounding okay. and we're feeling support of the chairs. So we're taking in support. We're using our breath and we're breathing. Now, what that does is it gets you access to this part of the brain, which is the problem solving part of the brain. So you're not going to make a decision from this amygdala, which is the emergency the emergency fire alarm. We don't want to make decisions from that place. We want to make decisions from here. So if we can have a body experience of feeling good and comfortable, and then what happens sometimes is as a person starts feeling more comfortable, then difficult sensations and subjects rise. They come up. Then the body says, oh, she's comfortable. So now I can have the heart starting to change. And there's a reason it's happening. It's because the body wants you to know something. You might have been ignoring it forever. Maybe you're in a situation where you're not being treated properly by your boss. And so your heart's going to start pounding. And then when you work with a practitioner in body work and somatics, then you can get to the bottom of it and have some support and try to have how you can make some changes or learn how to maybe speak up for yourself or set a boundary. Because when we walk around resentful, walk around um stress, it's it's um a signal that something's off. Right. Well that may, stress means that something's off. But what I'm also hearing then is that when we feel it in our heart or the tightening of a heart, let's say it would be from what I also from what I understood is that different people feel different things. We don't all feel all those things that you were describing. Exactly. So when we get familiar, let's say for myself uh, tightening of the heart, then whenever my t heart is tightening, something's going on, something I should listen to and try to decipher myself and or with support. Absolutely. And what the main thing is, people think when they listen to, even when I teach this, 
over and over again, I say it and many people don't hear what I'm saying, which is these tools are not only to help us relax, okay? That is a nice benefit. It's a side benefit. It's, it's, it's self-regulation. Yes, I want to feel better, but it's not only about relaxing. That's not why we're here. It's not only about that because what it is is, yes, I want some moments where I can have that relaxation, but it's about listening to our truths of our body. Okay, the, the heart pounding is there for a reason. It's because you need to hear a message. It has a message for you. So if you don't, if you start paying attention and you can say, okay, my heart is pounding. What, if this heart could speak, what would it want me to know? And it might be saying, you know, um, I don't like how that person spoke to me just now. And I didn't say a word. I kept quiet and they yelled at me and I didn't do anything or say anything. Oh, okay. So now this part is trying to tell me it wants me to take a little bit better care of myself by saying, you know, perhaps I'm giving an example, right? Um, it, so then, it's, it's not for no reason that the heart is pounding. So, I mean, if the heart is pounding is one thing, but then it can go even to bigger things like your foot is really hurting for days and there's might be a message in that. So just taking Tylenol and making the pain go away and hiding the symptom is also hiding the message. Is that what I'm hearing? It is. Now, some things are organic, like if you're wearing a shoe that's too tight, then your foot's going to hurt. And that's not that's the message. Right? <laughs> it's too <laughs> tight. Exactly. Right. So some things are our body's message of, um, you know, there's some stressful thing going on here that needs attention. And the other things are, you know, if you actually bumped your arm, it's going to need time to heal. It has nothing to do with stress. It's just that you actually bumped your arm or something, right? Yeah. So you want to differentiate between that. But um, I think the other thing I wanted to bring up today is that um, we want to be in touch with our resources. And... And also what worked for us up until now, you could say, well, it worked for my mother, it worked for my grandmother, or um, it worked for me 10 years ago, but it's not, it may not work now because our body does need different things as we age. That's what we're talking about middle age. It does need other things. It needs, you may need more rest. You may need healthier food. You may need more water. And if you ignore it, it will only make it worse when people get sick and they're ignoring it. So, this self-care idea is not selfish. In fact, being a person of self, when you really take good care of yourself, you're actually being a good steward to the community and to your family because you're not a needy person. You're not walking around all needy. You're finding ways to meet your own needs. And when you're in a good mood and you're taking care of yourself, you actually are attracted to other people and other people want to be around you. And they actually want to give you and they want to connect with you. So it's to think I'm going to just wait for my husband to do this, or I'm going to wait for my child to remember it's my birthday, not necessarily going to help. So that idea of self-care is foundational, and we cannot ignore it. And as we get older, it's going to be yelling more and more and more unless we pay attention. And so, I mean, do you agree? Totally. So what I'm hearing also about the birthday is if you – if your birthday came and passed and there was no whatever you were expecting and then you feel it in your body, wherever it is in your body. So what tune into what that is and try to get to the underside of it. So whether it's 
uh, that they didn't take care of my birthday. So, well, what okay. could I have done differently? This is I a could perfect, have... perfect example. It was my birthday and last segue. week. Okay? That's right. Happy birthday. Go That's ahead. Right. Yeah, last week. And I've actually had many issues around my birthday with my husband for many, many, many years. Um, one reason is because my family celebrated birthdays big and his barely even knew it was their birthday. Um, and the other reason is my birthday is around the which is when the men go to New York for the conference. So my birthday is on that, that date. So, um, for years I complained and I complained and I complained and I actually didn't really get my needs met. In fact, when you complain, the person does less, not more. So, um, eventually I decided to do, go from complaining to creating and I made myself birthday parties for women in my community and I had such a blast and I loved it. Um, so I'm going to show you this. So I put this on last oh. week. This is my birthday crown. This is my tiara. And I actually bought it for coaching because I wanted to invite women to see what would it feel like to be the queen of your life rather than the slave of your life, right? Right. What does that feel like? And really put it on. I mean, I'm smiling now. But <laughs> it really does something, right? So, um, you know, there was a woman here in my community. I just moved to a new community and she teaches dance and she has dance parties. And I told her that I love dancing. And I kept asking her when we can have a woman's dance, not just for the kids. She does it for the kids. And, and then I told her, somehow she found out it was my birthday. So she made me a dance party on my birthday. And I had the time of my life. And I wasn't waiting for my husband to do this or that or the other thing. And um, it doesn't mean you can't ever invite your spouse to do nice things for you. But if you're going to say it in a way of complaining, it's not really, it's probably you won't, even if you get it, you won't, you won't feel it deeply in your soul because you're going to wonder if they did it only because you made them do it or you asked them. So another thing I'm learning is that we want to take care of our inner child. So we want to be the mother of our own child inside. And we want to find ways to celebrate ourselves and ask for what we want if we can. But when we ask, we need to say it in a like, loving way, joyful way. I mean, this is an issue a lot of women share with me they have. <laughs> so um, it's not okay to just sit there and have expectations and hope and hope and hope, and then when you don't get it, I mean, I used to do that, laugh out and complain. It's just such a iffy pattern. It's just not, you know? Right. So. And if we're doing it till midlife, it's here's an opportunity to stop. Because if we're doing it for midlife, it's a, it's been a, a long pattern. Yeah. And if we tune, like, what I found fascinating is when I started really tuning in and saying, like, what am I feeling? What is really going on here? This, it's... A lot of insights. I think that maybe it came with age. Maybe I had many years of experience and then I can finally tap into my insights or maybe I resisted it for so long, but I am so grateful that you introduced this to me when it was two years ago. So I'm really grateful. So that's why I wanted you to share with others about this idea of just really tuning in. And so many resentments go away when you just tune in. Like what, or this is for me at least, that when I feel it, I can start saying, okay, so what are my thoughts about it? What is what is going on? And then it gives me the opportunity to say, hey, maybe I don't want to be thinking about it in that way. Exactly. How, I don't have to be thinking about it in a stressful way. I could be thinking about it some other way. Like like using your example, that he didn't make, I'm, I'm just rethinking on your behalf, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Please. But he didn't make those parties because he wasn't there. Not because he doesn't care, Helena. 
because he wasn't there. That's just well, for me a way of reframing it as more there, objective. But even if he was there, there were years he was there, I was so stressed about it that he was probably worried a month before my birthday. And that's sad. Well, that, that's something else that we do to our husbands is we don't tell them what we want. And then they get so stressed because they're never going to get it right because we're just always disappointed anyway, which is a whole other talk, which I do in the Adayad world. But uh, yeah, so we can share what we want. I mean, I've started making gift wish lists straight up. If you want to buy me something, you want to surprise me, surprise me that you bought it, not surprise me with what you bought. Yes. Because that takes so much stress away from it. It's such a relief that I actually do get what I wanted. Yes, love that idea. Love it. And also, here's the thing. There's another thing I just started studying. It's called IFS. I mean, it stands oh, for I love that. Internal Family Systems. And there's a book called No Bad Parts. I highly recommend people looking into it. And you can find IFS classes on YouTube also. And if we have all these different parts of ourselves, we have the part that's critical. We get self-critical. We have the people pleaser part, right? And this is what people notice in midlife. They try to people please everyone to the point of exhaustion. And it shows up usually in midlife when I'm so tired. I cannot do that anymore. I am not able to because I'm literally exhausted, right? So we start naming the part. That's the first moment where we unblend from these parts of us that are holding us hostage. They're all just trying to keep us safe. And they're doing their thing because in childhood it worked and they needed to do it to keep us safe. But in adulthood, it doesn't always work, right? Like the complainer, me complaining, 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 you know, and am I really getting my needs met? I'm actually not, right? right. First step is noticing and naming it. And then we want to bring in that there's eight C's. I only remember two right now, maybe three. Curiosity, compassion, and creativity. So when we start naming our parts, we can go, oh, let me get curious. Like you said, I wonder why there's a part of me that's complaining about my birthday and my husband can never get it right. I wonder, right? As we start getting curious. And then what was my earliest memory of something like this? You may have an idea. And then you go, oh, that little girl who felt special on her birthday and never got yelled at on her birthday. Okay. Oh, now can I be compassionate? Passionate that part, stop judging it so harshly, and then you can use your this part of the brain to ask questions to invite it. Like, is it really working for you to complain? Actually, it's not. Okay, so if there was a better way, what might we do? <laughs> ask yourself, you know. So, so it's a lot of noticing. I feel like when I was jotting notes for my my own journaling of midlife, it keeps coming up that. I'm noticing, I'm noticing, I'm noticing this about the way I feel, like physically, and then what message is it, or I'm noticing that I'm having a thought, and the more I remove myself from that thought, uh, the easier it is to deal with it. That's right. Because I am not my thought. You're right. You're an observer of your thought. So I love to say, I notice, I notice that I am having a thought that, so I'm keeping, I'm removing myself further and further from the actual thought. And I'm finding it to be very helpful, but it, for me, it all starts again with what I'm, with what I'm feeling inside. Like I know, I feel that I'm going, that I'm stressed. Okay, so now using the tools that I've learned, how can I reframe this, or how can I think about this differently, or 
or or sometimes I just have to breathe through it. Right, breathing. breath work is a whole other. I want to bring someone or you maybe let's talk about breath work, but uh, I actually have best. something I was just thinking. Hashem put this in my head. It's amazing because I know we have to end soon, and I want to say that I'd like to teach you a breath tool, and it's really wacky, but who cares? Why are we okay to take a pill for anxiety, people? We, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. Why is that okay? And a weird breath technique is like, oh my God, I could never do that. So if you're open, I want to teach this to you. Let's do this. Okay. So I want to explain it first. So there's a vagus nerve. It runs, it's the second largest nerve in our body. And it runs from the back of our neck and it wraps around our internal organs. And it, I think it goes all the way to the tailbone. Tailbone. Okay. It's this big nerve. It's called the vagus nerve. And when it's tight, we experience stress and anxiety, okay? okay. In all kinds of ways. And we want to open the vagus nerve. When we open the vagus nerve, we have access to the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that is, you know, the part we're proud of, like the grown-up part of us. So we open the vagus nerve and we can get there. And we have better perspective. And so Peter Levine figured this out, Dr. Peter Levine, he said that if you do the VU breathing, I'll teach it to you, it helps vibrate in the vagus nerve and it opens it up. So instead of having to try this trick and that tool and that tool and that tool, we get the superpower tool, which is the vagus nerve VU breathing, which can cover so many things. And then we notice ourselves. And most of the time, I mean, I can't promise, but a lot of people say after they do this VU breathing technique that they feel better. They feel more settled, and they have access to clarity, more clarity. And, and so why not, right? Well, it's easier than finding the pill. You can do it anywhere. So let's... Exactly. Anywhere, anytime. And what I do to start the blue breathing is I first ask my clients or my whoever's doing this with me to take a minute to just do a little bit of feet, feet back and breath. If you can't, you can't, because if you're standing by the sink and you're doing dishes, well, then you could wiggle your toes and breathe in through your nose. That's okay. So right now we're both sitting. So let's just notice our, like I said, feet, feet, back to breath. So if we notice our feet on the ground, wiggle our toes, push our heels in, just bring in some grounding. It's the simplest tool you can do anywhere, anytime. Even if you're in your bed, you could put your knees up in the mattress and then feel your feet. Feel your bottom in the chair and your back. Take in the breathe in through your nose. See if you can fill your belly with air. And then we're going to do that. I'm going to breathe in through my nose and I'm going to breathe out. Instead of breathing out through my nose, I'm going to breathe out saying voo. Voo like with a vub. Like instead of saying shoo, we're going to say voo. And you breathe out. You don't have to hold it as long as I do because I've become more and more comfortable with but you breathe out you don't have to hold it a certain amount of breath breathe out and then you pause and then you breathe in again through your nose and we're going to breathe out saying the word voo and we're going to hold it and some people say you should do it as low as you can with a lower tone i don't make people do that but if you want to you can now if you notice yawning happening which is a very good sign before our call i saw my earbuds all twisted up with three other earbuds right all these wires and I had to, um, I had to gently, you know, start spreading it out like this to get them all untangled, right? So how do we know we're getting untangled inside if we start yawning, 
So if you're going to yawn, if you start yawning, you don't keep booing. You stop booing while you're yawning. Finish the yawn. And then you start another one. So you do this two to five minutes. And we'll just, I'll just demonstrate it for you now. You know, let's do a few of them. Okay, so feet, feet, back and breath. So you're doing this breathing while you're feet, seat, back and breath. And this is the breath. The vu is the breath of the feet seat, or you can kind I of. I mean, if you just do a, do feet seat back and breath, just to bring your awareness to that you're in this yeah. world and you're here right now. And then you don't have to keep doing it while we're doing. Okay? okay, just to bring your awareness to your body and where you're sitting, so you're not all up in your head, but like you're now bringing some okay. grounding. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna breathe in through my nose. Vu. I can't keep it as long as you. Okay, I'll, I'll you don't have it. to. Okay. So it's like a humming. Yep, humming works too. But the voo, there's something about voo that really is supposed to. If you're sounded there, like, voo sounded like a humming to me. But it was voo. Okay. Okay. So you make sure you have the V sound at the beginning. I'll do it again. Voo. And if you have someone doing it with you, it's it's um it's co-regulating, and then there's this vibration that you hear. If you do it in the bathtub or in the swimming pool, you'll also hear it even more. Or if you're doing it with another person, you'll hear it even more. And it, you don't have to do it like that. I'm just saying it's another example. I'm gonna do it again. You don't have to open your eyes or close your eyes anyway it doesn't matter let's do another one and then we'll see what we notice okay okay now i'm starting to yawn okay 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 so i notice settling in my shoulders drop more calm inside of me internally. Do you, do you have anything you notice? Well, ditto. So, yeah. I feel like my ditto, like the same as you. Like also just calmer. Uh, actually, it felt a little weird. I think you have more experience. So I'm finding that I'm doing lots of firsts. So it was weird. And to do it first recorded and shared is is interesting so i had a little resistance in there so i did have that um but i will very definitely normal this. very very natural to feel that way i mean to be that way it is a lot of people say and i'm okay and i'm okay with it right but i will get past my awkward firsts and i will keep doing it and see how it helps me but right. i have to go through the awkward first to get to see that it actually helps right so. if it really works then why are we going to say no to it and um my teacher uh one of my teachers Dr. Reggie Melrose, she taught it to me in sessions, and I only did it in session with her. But then she made a video of herself teaching it. It's on YouTube, Dr. Reggie Melrose, Voo, V-O-O. And once I watched her teach it to others on video, I thought, you know what, I really am going to do this outside of session because it's helpful and it, it's good. And I watched her do it. It stopped being so weird. And um, when I'm on screen with somebody in a session, I'll tell them, you can shut your camera off. 
it's okay, you know, it's okay. Just whatever works, you know. So I uh, highly recommend it. Uh, yeah, so I just keep telling myself with a lot of this new firsts and midlife is it's a first. It doesn't work out so well the first. It's probably not going to be so well the first time. And but you can get to the second time, to the potentially second time, better second time without a first. So get over the first. So yeah, so I'm glad we did it, even though it felt silly. But Helena, I promise you, I will try it again off camera. Oh, good. I'll let you know. <laughs> let me know. Let me know. Um, you know, when I hear Dr. Peter Levine explaining it and teaching it, it makes me just want to do it more. Like he said, he had a, a woman who was um, a nurse at COVID when it was the height of COVID and she was in the hospital and it was very terrible. I don't even want to describe what she said was happening to that. And she really felt like she was losing it. And he said to her, why don't you do Zoo? Two to five minutes every day. And she said she was able to have more of a boundary for herself. Like she was able to do what she needed to do and have compassion, but at the same time, not let it get inside of her body and her psyche and her, the point of debilitation. She was able to stay more uh, focused and separate from others and yet do her job. So if it worked for her, I don't see why we don't try this. You know, definitely try. If it really, really doesn't work for you, someone, then yeah, then you know, humming or singing can do it too. There is something about that. Humming and singing is also using the vibration, and it probably can help too. So if you don't like the boo, try humming, singing. Right. I also think I took on a hakalaka for my birthday this year. I haven't been perfect at it yet. It's only a week, but um, I think I think dancing. I love dancing. You know that. Yeah, And I, it has to work for the person. I want to dance, you know, every day or at least five days a week, even five or 10 minutes. Just that helps me. So whatever works for somebody, you know, it's for you walking on the beach works or watching the sunrise or whatever, you know. Yeah. If, if. Yeah, if. The sunrise is gorgeous. <laughs> right? We'll get you there in the morning. Right. Uh, yeah. So Mr. Helene, this has been great. Uh, there's so much more, so maybe we can talk about it some other time, or people can reach out to you for specifics and individual, because we can now we can talk gen uh, general. So, how can people reach you, Helena? Oh yeah, I would love that. So I am taking on um, new clients, and I work over phone, Zoom, and in person. If you live in Florida, South Florida, um, my phone number is nine one nine six three seven. 6833. So text me, WhatsApp me, call me. Um, I have an email address. You have to spell it exact or I will not get it. So the email address is coachingwithhelena at gmail.com. And that's coaching, C O A C H I N G, with W I T H, and then another H E L A N A at gmail.com. So it's an honor. Thank you Thanks, so Elena. Thank you for Happy having birthday. me.